Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. I've been up literally half the night excited about this, like like it's Christmas morning. We had Shran Shravats on the podcast in May 2019, and a lot has changed since then, and I'm so damn excited. Shran, welcome back. Awesome, Logan. Thanks so much for having me back. If, if you Google Sharan Shravatsa, you'll find, you know, from dumpster diving to building a $3 billion business from broke to $3.5 billion, broke immigrant to $3.4 billion, and all of these massive, beautiful articles. And I remember your story was so inspiring for me, and I'm definitely going to get into that story. But I remember leaving that interview with you being like, if Sharan can do it, yeah. literally anybody can do it. And the, the, the ultimate juice, if you're listening right now, is helping or diving into Shran's mind as much as I can and trying to find ways to get out of her own way ultimately. And that's what this episode is going to be all about. So I'm excited to go deep. Right right before I get into it, this is going to sound like I'm fluffing your feathers and I don't even care if it does because I have to say it. I get an opportunity to just thank you. Is I remember after talking to you for just 45 minutes, I had so many paradigm shifts and so many I just remember walking away taking notes, like so many notes and being like, awesome. I'm going to apply all of this. And I applied everything and I saw not only results financially, but in the way I ran things and ran the team. And I continued to like really, really feel like you have a really authentic way of communicating things. And I really trust what you have to say. So with that said, anyone listening, um, if, if you're going to put 45 minutes aside for this, like Sharan charges, I'm pretty sure it's 50K a year. We get Sharan for 45 minutes and I'm going to go as deep as I can. And because it's free, you know, sometimes we just think it's kind of like, oh, that's great. But if you could just do me one thing and actually take some notes, because you know damn well I'll be re-listening to this and taking notes for myself. And let's treat it like it's a $5,000 coaching session here with Sharan. And, and, and I'm going to make the most of it. And I hope you do as well. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. So awesome. So you know, there, there's all this like crazy stuff online, and, and I know Bedros Kulian calls you the king of scale, and you've got all these other amazing testimonials, amazing feedback, and all these huge, huge accolades and accomplishments, but it all started in a pretty humble beginning. So I was hoping we could start there, just so people understand that, you know, there, there was no golden spoon, at least from what I understand. Yeah, you know, first, thank you for having me back. I love, um, one of my favorite things is being back because we get to go deeper than last time. And we also, you and I also have a lot more context over the last year. So really proud of so much you have built and grown and a great platform for you and your clients. So really stoked about that. The, you know, it's the, it's the what, 20, it's the 20 year overnight success, right? Like it's, or it's perceived to be that way. Um, But, but it's always the mother it's, it necessity is everything so um early on i was um i was not a very you know scholastically smart kid i i had um add adhd which no one would want to diagnose i had dyslexia because i would see numbers backwards and i thought that i didn't know math right i was colorblind i was tone deaf so I could not do art. I could not do science. And so, and I was a small kid. So I used to get picked on, you know, picked up on a team last at school. So I, I kind of had the worst of all worlds growing up and, and I didn't know any different. And it was to the point where everything started when I started getting bullied and I never realized I didn't have the courage to tell my parents that. And look, it was at the point where like I would have to walk between one classroom and another 30 feet and I knew that I was going to get bullied in the locker, so I would run like you know, 400, mm. 500 meters around the school to get to a new classroom. And I think at one point my father figured that out, and he said, "Hey, listen, 
as a 11 year old, we were sitting on a park bench and he said, listen, I, I, I don't know if this infrastructure, this ecosystem is a right fit for you. I just want to find you a, a place where you can go live a better life. And that coming from a father in India who had never left the country who wanted to give his son a better life. And that goes to the power of parenthood. Right. And so, um, from that point, like my parents sold everything that they had, uh, to give me, to help me kind of like learn tennis, let tennis became the passport out of the country for me, um, to give me a new life. And I owe that, that to them. And, uh, when I say they sold everything that I had, it's not like they gave me $14 million. They gave me one year's worth of university tuition. Right. And that was everything that they had. And it was my chance to have to figure out the next three years and my life after that. And what they did was they gave me a platform to step up and show that I can succeed. And that was the necessity. And so, do you think yeah. those early days of like, you know, getting picked on, getting bullied, or, or going through that pain like shapes you in some way and gives you, uh, I'm not going to say advantage, but gives you an edge of, 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 well, I mean, so much, so much grows out of that kind of pain. So, do you think that shaped a lot of how you do business and how you treat other people and and the empathy and the understanding you have for people? Yeah, I I think so because all I wanted at that time was kindness. Like I, all I wanted was for people to be kind to me, and yeah. my only yearning, only longing was for people to be kind to me mm. because the average person was not. And even in my, even in my current, in my family and my, like I tell my children, Hey, you want something you ask nicely. There's a good chance you're going to get it. And I, I, you know, I tell us like no yelling, no screaming. If anyone is generally kind of kind and nice to me, they get the best of me because that's the way to my heart. And not that's good or bad, but that's, that's the gateway to my heart. And I think how that shaped me was it could have made me angry. (laughs) Like it could have made me angry and hate the world. And it kind of did for a while, but I had to, it flipped for me when a couple of people took me under their wing and I saw the kindness in me. So I, I've become very attuned to myself where um, I'm a big fan of the, you know, I, I love the kindness component of life. And it's, if, if, if generally if an average person is cool and chill with me, they get almost anything that I can give them. And yeah, it, it definitely shaped it, but not intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just I know you you exude that and and I'm, and again I'm not fluffing your feathers here but it just genuinely you exude that of this this giving generous kindness that 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 is is very clear the second you land on any of your stuff. I think anyone can feel it even just from listening if you're not watching this. You just you just feel it. So I think that's a superpower of yours for sure. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate. It. You know the interesting part the Lucas is that um it's nice, you know. I had a I had a tennis coach once tell me, you know, you you should, uh, you should it's ninety nine percent selfish, mm. and ninety nine percent selfless and one percent selfish. Ninety nine percent selfless and one because we always say, oh, we have to give it for others, give it for others, and and when you do that, it's there's there's a built in resentment that you're always doing stuff mm. for other people and nothing for mm. yourself. And so he goes, if you can't, he told me, Sharon, if you can't figure out the 1% of any activity that you're doing that is good for you, then you don't respect the 99% that you give to others. Mm. And so the interesting part, even I change my view on like content these days is that if you give everything away, you're just moving the free line, right? You're just moving the free line. And, and people are like, well, I, everyone in the world is just used to getting everything for free, mm. especially in the modern internet world. And you are just a, you're just a you know a gift artist 
And that's okay. I'm not saying you should charge for stuff, but I'm saying that when you pay, yeah. you pay attention. And so, so for me, it's been, uh, what is this 1% that's selfish in here, right? With 99% being selfless. And I can deal with the 99-1 ratio. And so for me, I've realized that me being open and kind and accessible for most people makes me feel good. <laughs> so that's so, so great that's so great anyone listening because i know in, in coaching sometimes we can i've gone through that and i still dive into it where you just give everything and then the week's at the end and you're like well there's nothing left for me so i think that's such a powerful thing um because i because i get that a lot it's like man I'm, I'm so done working with my clients but they used to love it now they hate it because they just give too much um so so make sure you're taking care of yourself and i, yeah, I love I'll, that concept. I'll, I'll tell you this right you know i don't have um i have i have very few private clients and um and it's a, I, I just don't have the capacity to take on anymore. And the ones that I take on, like the ones that I'm talking to right now who are, you know, could be good fits. The first three, four kind of quote calls or sessions I do, I, I do it pre contract. Like a lot of people will say, I'll do a 20 minute uh, discovery call. If we're a good fit, I'll make you an offer. If the offer is good, we'll keep working to, you know, you can work together. I'm just like, I don't know yet. Right. So, I am willing to my my twenty minute discovery call from a coach perspective, my twenty minute discovery call with somebody, and and I can I can afford to do that because, you know, I'm not taking a lot, but but my twenty minute call is not for them to see if they're a good fit to work yeah. with me. It's for me to see if I have enough joy to work with them for two three more sessions if I can create a transformation. To me, my entire goal is if I can work with them three to four sessions, even if it's 30 minutes long, and I can create a result, then I convince yeah. myself that I have no problem making the the proposal saying, hey, listen, hey, Lucas, listen, we did this. You got this result. Yes. Awesome. Here's my proposal. And like, there's no discounting. There's no negotiation. There's nothing. If you don't like it, that's cool. At least I know that right now I've delivered a result to you that you would have never been able to get on your own. And for that, I have insane karma and I feel selfish. I feel good about it, right? Right, right. But it's so never powerful. been, yeah, but it's never been, I'll tell you, there's never been a time when you can create a result for somebody and only after that you ask for something. It's an, it's insane because like, they don't say yes out of guilt. They say yes out of just the hope for the future, the right. aspirational yes, is way better than a guilt right. yes, right? So and, and that's and, and I don't know a lot of people, you know, people say, I know a lot of coaches do this discovery call, strategy call stuff. I would just flip your mindset on that saying it's not about seeing if they're a right fit for you. It's about seeing if you can create a transformation for them. Great. Great. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah. So, so continuing, so you've got the, you've got the, you know, you, your parents sacrificed a lot, uh, gave you a year of school, and you probably took that because you're extremely grateful for it. I'm guessing it's just like, this is an opportunity. Let me actually yeah. seize this opportunity. I know a lot of people, I, I know a lot of my, I never went to college, but a lot of people I know went to college and they wasted four years and they still are doing <laughs> random stuff. Like they've, they've got no direction. So I think, again, it's your superpower of you came from this, 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 this mindset of like, I have an opportunity, kind of like that my favorite Eminem song, but you got this one shot yeah. and you're going to take it. So you took it and so I took, I took the opportunity. I got, you know, I was at a first year school. Um, I got here and got to the U S I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money and I went through a, you know, wide variety of stuff. I got, I got mugged my first day in the U S which is very interesting. Um, and you learn, <laughs> you learn a lot because of that. I negotiated with a mugger, uh, to give me some money back, which I thought was a fascinating story. So if you, you guys should Google that, we should use that time more wisely. But more importantly, 
my first kind of 10 days in the US, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have money for food, et cetera, until my check cleared. And that was a turning point for me because I, I actually, I, I literally went dumpster diving. I yeah. literally went dumpster diving to get food. And I never, and people always think, oh my gosh, there's this dumpster diving story that's interesting. Like the dumpster diving story is not interesting. What people don't realize is nobody knew the dumpster diving story. Right, so it took me close to eighteen years to tell my. I still haven't told my parents the dumpster diving story. They heard it on a podcast, right? And that's what changed. Like my, I still haven't. I mean, my my mom, I she was probably crying when she heard that, but that is more impactful to me than the dumpster diving. But that changed my life. I really, I said, okay, you know what? I have to live. I have to survive. I'll do whatever it takes. And when you can have a whatever it takes attitude, mm. you're like, okay, I ate. I survived. And looking back. I think what it did, uh, Lucas, was it, it set a floor. It set a floor for a, a, a threshold of pain, right? And I, if you talk to my team and you talk to my partners, they'll say, you know, Sharon can handle a lot of pain. <laughs> and while, while, while that sounds interesting, like it just, it's not a pain. It's just I've, my floor of what is painful is just way lower. Like, yeah. I mean, I can just take a lot more. And like I can go, I think you and I talked about this, I can go – uh, you know, I can dial back lifestyle to live for two, three, four years without getting a penny a comp. And it's not because I have a ton of money in the bank. Like people misunderstand that. No one's willing to dial back lifestyle, right? And so my 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 wife and children know that hey, if something happens and things go don't go right, like I'm going to dial back the lifestyle so that I can still, you know, f- still work. And that's it's it's a family thing. So for a lot of people, if if the ability to withstand pain. Is the ability to dynamically dial back lifestyle, and if you, I'll tell you, nine out of ten people that I know, Lucas, just can't do that, right? Because now you're used to X, you just can't drop to Y, right? And I'll say that that's that's what that taught me. That experience of like actually dumpster diving into a real dumpster, grabbing a slice of pizza and grabbing some, you know, a subway sandwich, you know, attacking a raccoon in the dumpster, like that stuff just sets a new level of pain threshold, right? Mm And what I want people to understand is I would love for you to take, like, stop and close your eyes and, you know, see if you can vividly vision being hungry, being in a dumpster so that you can make it alive. Your brain doesn't know any different, right? Like, you can you can simulate this experience so that you can learn from my experience. You don't have to go through the pain yourself. Yeah. And that's why I tell a lot of people, There's if you can simulate the pain, you can also simulate the joy, right? If you can simulate the pain, you can learn from my experience. It's not just another random story. That's why I shared with the, the details of, hey, I jumped in an 8 by 4 dumpster. There was light streaming through it. I see this box of Pop-Tarts. I grabbed the box of Pop-Tarts. It was a little damp, a little wet. Something smacked me in the face. My face started bleeding. I didn't know what it was. I touched my face. I feel blood on my fingers, and I see a raccoon in there. Like I, I, I use the vivid detail not because – like you can't make that stuff up. Yeah. What I want you to know is I want you, I, I want to transport you to that place so that you can experience that viscerally so that you don't have to go through what I went through. Right? That's what I'm trying to give you. So um, the, the biggest learning there was you know, I, I, can, I can handle a lot of pain and so can you and so can others listening and that's what's important. Uh, and so I, I, even if you've not gone through that, I would, I would go back and think about for the listener, if you're listening, I would go back and think about where you felt a lot of pain. Maybe you were running a marathon, you felt a lot of pain on mile 17. Maybe you were, you know, riding your motorcycle on PCH and you had the wind in your face and there was so much fog that you couldn't see, whatever it may be. What was the so much pain 
And can you connect with that? And that can that establish a new threshold for surviving? And I think that's what makes us who we are. So powerful, so powerful. So, uh, you know, I, I think within that, there's two things to unpack for people and for myself as well is my biggest failure or my lowest moment came after I, I thought I was doing really well and I let <laughs> off on the gas and I had comfort around me. I moved into a luxury apartment. I bought a BMW and I was like, this is life. And when things got difficult, I wasn't willing to give that up. And I remember in my early 20s, the whole philosophy of stoicism um, really impacted me in my early 20s. And so I went back to a lot of those books a few years ago. And then I really started studying about a year ago. And there was so much voluntary, like going through voluntary pain and trying to do something on a daily, whether it's small, like a cold shower or sleeping on the floor, which I do sometimes. And it's yeah. this constant reminder of like, I'm okay without this and I'm yeah. I can live whether that's you know just living off the basics and and I know a lot of people talk about that but to me it sounds like you're kind of going down that path of um of exploring the pain exploring all of that and you can imagine it create it and yeah. and move that into your life and then I think the other thing that that was to unpack there from what it sounds like is um is the lifestyle thing yeah and I think that's so powerful too is like it's not always, at least, maybe this is a limiting belief, but yeah. it's not always going to be up, 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 up. There's highs and lows. And I think those yeah. lows, we, we learn a lot from, if that's kind of what you're getting at, in a way. Yeah, then. yeah. the interesting part is, um, it, what, what, I'm what I'm trying to say is, uh, the world changes, so you should be okay changing too. And and your lifestyle is not an absolute, right? Like So, so just know that, you may have to dial something back and forth, and that's okay. So for people that are afraid of – like I always tell people this. like If you're afraid of turning down lifestyle, you should be on a mad sprint to putting one year's worth mm. in the bank. Essentially, give yourself a one-year buffer, not a 90-day buffer, a one-year buffer, right? That way, at least you know, worst-case scenario, you can reinvent yourself in one year. And I think all of us, I have no doubt that every single person, if I, if I said you have no job, no life, nothing, and you had to start all over and you have one year's worth of buffer, I think they'll make it. I think yeah. they'll be just fine, right? Because a year is a long enough time. And if you don't like, if the, if you're listening and you don't and you don't have the courage to dial back lifestyle, then you should be on a mad sprint right now to saying your only goal for the next 18, 24, 36 months is to put one year's worth of stuff away. Yeah. That itself will make you feel a lot better. And like I, I will tell you, this is the best. There, there cannot be better like guidance and advice that I can give you than this. If you put one year's worth of kind of baseline, you know, expenses away. It will give you just mm -hmm. so much peace that so so look I'll give you this interesting thing. If you um if you're a listener and you're hopefully you're not driving right now, but if you can map the stressful points in your life, so essentially say draw uh, you know Lucas zero to Lucas you know today two thousand twenty right, and you just say hey here's the stressful years in my life right, and you just you just put the stresses on it like a chart like low medium high and you just put the stresses on a chart which would be a really interesting exercise for you right because you can look and say oh was 2016 stressful 2000 and you can just mark the stresses because you know the stressful points right you're probably going to come up with 15 18 stressful points and I will tell you the most stressful points in your life 80 to 90% of them will actually connect with the amount of cash you have in the bank mm -hmm. and I'm not saying it's money related I'm saying it is when that that margin gets low it, 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 this is not the stress of uh, you know um, uh, you know purpose and, and and perspective and joy. Not that this is the stress of oh crap stress. 
And that can be totally, but if you just have a one-year stable base, your stress just won't be there. And uh, a lot of people, they ask me, like, should I follow my passion? Should I do all of it? I'm like, that's all cool. Get the one-year base, then do all of that. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's so, so I, I know it feels a little harsh to do that, but I don't know any other way to give yourself a little bit of a buffer so that you can think and speak and not be tied to the, you know, hey, what's happening every 15 days is something hitting my bank account. So, so would you say, and that maybe this is just the way I'm wired, so I'm trying to see it from this point of view, but like I, I literally did this a few months ago trying to figure out when was our biggest leaps uh, in yeah. the business, when did we see the most success? And when I really started charting this, I was like, it always came right after our biggest problem. My most, I, I'd stay up for three days at a whiteboard trying sure. to figure out the next move. And my biggest jumps always came with like, hey, we have, we're burning through cash way too quick. These three yeah. campaigns have just cost us 30 grand. And I got to figure out a way to like, float this thing and my biggest creative breakthroughs i actually enjoy that pain i'm just like as i'm going through it on my whiteboard i'm like something's gonna come out of this i just know yeah so do you think some people feed off that like i almost Uh, need that maybe but i I, you know maybe but maybe i don't know uh that we we could kind of you know that's probably a you and me kind of one-on-one thing on that i like that though I I don't know um because it would be unfair for me to say that that's how the world works but i will say this um so, so if there is if there is a gift that we can give your listener right now, this is what this would be, right? So let me let me tell you uh, this, and this ties to exactly what we're talking about. So, um, I have my my son is eight years old, and my son Neil is eight years old, really really sharp kid, and uh, my wife and I always have this discussion around, well, how much exposure do we give him? Where we say, hey, you can play basketball, you can play soccer. You can play. You can. You can. You can. You can play hockey. Like, how many sports are you going to play? Just go with the sports analogy, right? Um, and then we say, well, the, the 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 right parent will say, well, I don't want to push him yet, right? So we say, well, he should try three, four things, and then as he gets a little older, maybe when he gets nine or maybe gets gets ten, we'll get him to pick two sports or pick one sport, and then and then focus on that. Well. You and I have gone through that as a child at some point. Our parents at some point had some conversation around that. Either they put us on a bunch of things or they didn't. Or they let us give us exposure and didn't focus, uh, make us focus on stuff. But here's the interesting part. My son is eight. He can have four sports. I'm 40, 39. I got one. One. We're done playing four sports. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to tell people is we are done playing four sports this is not, you're not eight anymore. It's time to pick. Yeah. And even if what you pick is off, it's okay because focus is more important than intelligence. Like what you pick is everything, right? And so w- my conversation with the CEOs that I mentor is the first thing and the absolute thing is all about like how fast can I get you to clarity? How fast can I get you to clarity? Because when I get you to clarity, two things happen. You either figure out whether that is going to be painful or effortless, and then you figure out whether you can do it yourself or you need help. That's it. Beautiful. That's it. There is nothing else. Like So, so when you talk about coaching, right? So if, if a coach is listening, your entire job with your clients is not to get them a solution, is to hold the space so that the solution appears, right? So this holding of the space is the hardest part about a, a coaching relationship. So when, when I can get them, I can see you know, my clients who wants a $100 million company is thinking about four things where she should mm. be thinking about one. 
And so my job is to keep nudging, keep nudging, keep nudging until they can get to the one. Then they get this epiphany. Then they're like, okay, that's really painful. I need to handle that. I need to buy out investors. Okay, that's painful. Okay, awesome. Can I do that on my own? Do I need, do I need help? As soon as you solve that, instantly you get into a very serene mode. And, and a serene mm-hmm. Lucas and a serene Sharon is way better than anyone mm-hmm. else. And uh, that's what, like, then I always think about it. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm not an eight-year-old anymore. This is my sport. This is what I'm playing. And I'm going to keep playing this, and I'm going to get better at this, and I'm going to keep doing this. And once I'm done doing this, if I need something else, I can drop this and do something else. But I'm not doing four, eight, 14 things at the same time. And what we convince ourselves that we need to do is we are like, oh, I need to launch this funnel. I need to launch this podcast. I need to do this. Oh, Lucas and Toronto are doing this. So I need to do this yeah. too. Oh my gosh, how do I do that? And it's hmm. constantly layering. And to me, each of those are a sport. So do you want to play soccer? Great. Let's play soccer, right? And so I think it's very hard to do that on your own. And that's why I think just like I have, you know, that I invest in coaches and mentors, they are your outside eyes to the, to the entire opportunity, right? They help you hold that space of saying you're not eight playing 14 sports like get real because you're yeah. you're 39 like let's let's go create some uh let you know let's go create some value so anytime i talk to anybody um who's kind of struggling my goal is to always say how can i bring this clarity to the table yeah and yeah. and so that they can see that it's okay for them to be scared that the clarity is there can they solve it or can they not? And is it on their own or do they need help? That's the whole thing. And once you do that, there's a lot of surrender that happens. And then you can create tons of transformations That's after beautiful. that. Just that alone, right? That alone. It, it get, and, and for you, for example, you went through this last year. You're like, hey, I'm in a tight spot. I can solve it on my own. You could have solved it. Maybe you could have solved it faster with somebody. But you you went through this process. You kind of... You know, you, 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 you clean up everything and you rebuild everything from scratch, but you, you, you kind of did the, you, the Phoenix rose from the ashes, but you went into clarity mode yeah. and, and clarity is easy to say, but it's hard to get to on your own. I love that. I love that. I think one of your articles, that was the number one thing you said, it have a singular focus. Don't give up. Even if it takes 39 times, it was one of your biggest, uh, piece of advice. And it's so oftentimes overlooked. I love it. I love it. So you're, so you're, so you're in college, you dumpster dived, you had this big moment, um, you didn't tell anyone for 18 years, or at least your, your family didn't. Turn, it took 18 years to be like, "Hey, that's what happened." Uh, so, what happens next? So you're you're focused on school. You're you're you're. What are you studying? Yeah, computer science. Computer science. Yeah. So, way um, that college was great because I, I uh, college in the U.S. was awesome for me because it was unlike India because it was you know as you people are very open to learning styles and how it works and independent study and pick whatever class you want to go to and all the flexibility was very good for me. I chose the major. I realized that I had a technical aptitude after all. So I got a computer science and math major. And then, um, I was randomly at presenting at a conference or a contest and, um, the judges of this contest saw what I was presenting and said to me, Hey, it's pretty cool what you just presented. I know you're not going to win this contest because I just saw the judging, but what you just, uh, what you presented could be a really great addition to an existing company that I just funded. So he introduced me to a couple of founders who had just started a company and that was our first startup. 
And so we were able to take my idea, combine it with what they already had. So they had the line share of the idea. Mine was kind of like the last 10%. And then we built our first, that was my first company that we built and we got a chance to build it and grow it and, and, and sell it. So um, that was the first shot at seeing kind of something get created from nothing. So cool. So cool. So that gets created. Um, you know, you had your first shot, you had your first experience with it. You probably learned a lot. You're growing as a human. How old are you at this point? I'm 21. 21. Okay, so you're you're a young gun. Um, what happened after that? So we we sold the business, and then I said, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I spent, um, and we had, I was able to, you know, pay off all my debt. We had a good exit, and it was, you know, great for everybody. Uh, it was not life changing, but it was li- it was, you know, time changing. So it yeah. gave me like it gave me a little bit of time, but it it didn't change my life, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was able to take five years off and I all I did was teach tennis for five years try, I traveled the world um, and then I realized okay my money ran out after teaching tennis for five years uh, and not making any money and then I realized all right I want to go um, I want to go back to doing something entrepreneurial well you can't really go from being a tennis pro to doing something because one I run through all my cash for five years and then the other was like what I don't really know anything because I've been out of touch with the business world. So right. I went to business school, I uh, got my MBA. So I got I've got more degrees and more years of education than anyone ever needs. So I don't use any of it, by the way. Um, then I became an investment banker in at Goldman Sachs in New York, which is the kind of the marquee uh, place to be. Uh, if people don't realize, but it took me 39 individual one-on-one interviews to get the job. Uh, I don't think most people have done 39 interviews in their career, let alone yeah. for one role. A lot of rejection, sure. Yeah, well, a lot of just, yeah, yeah, and you just go over and over, and then you just realize that like after inter- interview sixteen, I was like, "Well, wait, like, what's this game? Because I'm gonna play it. It doesn't matter how long this takes." Uh, and that was a great experience. I learned a lot there. And um, one of my clients, I was in that role five years. One of my clients had actually invested in a real estate company in California, and he said, "Hey, I've invested in this real estate company. It's going the wrong direction, um, or the original partners and partners are not getting along. Can you come help us out?" As, and I said, "Hey, you're my client. I'm happy to come do this." So I, I visited California and helped them out a little bit. The ideas that I gave them helped their company. And then we realized that the original kind of founders were embezzling from the company. Mm. And so me and my client at that time decided to put together a plan to buy the, you know, the misaligned partners out and take this company. So this, so it was a small real estate business in uh, Beverly Hills, California. It had 35 agents in one office uh, selling high-end real estate. And this was 2007, 2008. So this was not a fun time in the economy at all. So we put a group together. Him and I bought up, bought majority, brought out these uh, people that were not getting along. And we decided to take this company over. And then um, I had, I knew nothing about running a real estate business. I, I, I owned a house, but that's kind of all I had. And I had to learn the business from the inside out, run the business from scratch. And I was like, wow, there's a really great opportunity here. And so I put together a plan to grow that business 10x and almost out of necessity. I told the partner, I told the shareholders of the board at that time saying, hey, this business will work only if it grows 10x. Otherwise, you know, we all should get out right now. And they all laughed at me. They're like, how do you grow a, you know, a $300 million business? How do you grow it to $3 billion? Like, that's a lot. And I said, well, I'm happy to come back with a plan. And if you guys will support it, I'll drive the growth of it. So I put together a plan to grow the business 10x and in five years, and we were on this mad mission to growing. It was it was a it was essentially nothing else mattered but 
I woke up every single morning obsessed with figuring out how to hit that, how to hit that. So everything, it was a good filter, right? It was like, hey, should I take yeah. this new business opportunity in Cleveland? No, because that doesn't contribute to mm. that goal. And and so we worked on that. We grew 10x in five years. Um, we did better than 10x in five years. We grew, which was which is awesome, and the market helped. And then we got acquired by a company out of a publicly traded company out of New York called Douglas Elliman, which is one of the, which is kind of a Cinderella story transaction. So everybody benefited very well from that. And I stayed on for about six months, handled the transition, and uh, uh, moved on after that because that was the deal. So it's been that was a that was a really fun experience overall. So powerful. So I think right there, I mean, I think you kind of summed it up. Is you had a singular focus, you knew your why. You know, I'm just going through some of the top habits that you're always yeah. kind of talking about. But you, you, you had a singular focus every single morning. You woke up with you said the word obsession, which I think is great. You're waking up obsessed. You're focusing on one thing, not four sports. You know your why. You've got a big vision for it. You've got a time frame for it. You've got a group of people that are helping you, holding you accountable. And you, you know, you, you, you did it. Um, so I guess when we break everything down, is like, are you focusing on one thing right now? What is your one thing? Why are you doing what you're doing? I, I know these are so. Yeah, like, I don't know, three years ago, I had it. I'm very extreme. And I had all these books that I've been reading for like five yeah. years. And I finally yeah. got so angry because I had 20 books that I ordered off Amazon. And I, I just like I literally, like, actually just like throwing books around threw them all in a box. And I said, I'm done with this. There's only really yeah. six key things in all of these books just repeated yeah. over and over. And I think I have three books that I just reread over and over now. And I don't even read that much as I used to. Um, and so I guess like, we're just really getting down to this core stuff so i think the question behind it all is if we know this stuff why are why are so few people doing it yeah so I'll, I'll, there's I, I think a lot about this right so um so i'll give everything can be explained with um this one little example and to me when we this one example can probably tell can probably it, it could be the towel like it's it's that powerful but for mm. me right so um i'll talk to a lot of really high achievers and i'll say hey if it's okay with you show me your calendar right and they'll show me their calendar and generally either at 5 a.m or 6 a.m they'll have something on their calendar and it'll say gym it'll hit gym at 5 a.m i go mm. interesting okay and i say okay jimmy you said gym at 5 a.m have you do you go to the gym at 5 a.m well most of the days i'm like wait a minute Okay. Do you go all the time or you never go? Is it sometimes? Well, sometimes. I'm like, but it says on your calendar that you go to the gym. It's 5 a.m. every day. He's like, well, that's my goal. But I'm going to, but it's the block. I've blocked off the gym at 5 a.m. But I'm like, well, you blocked off a conference call. You show up on your conference call, right? Yeah. But why don't you block off the gym? Why don't you go to the gym? And he's like, well, you know, some days I'm tired at night. And that's when the excuse stuff starts, mm. right? So the interesting part is everything for me can be explained with this. And let me tell you what I mean by that. People will say phrases like, if it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist. Well, there can't be a bigger baloney because you and I both know we put stuff on our calendar there. Hey, there's date night on the calendar. My wife and I didn't go on date night because something else came up. Hey, there's 5 a.m. gym, whatever. Like, yeah. but Guilty, why? guilty. Yeah. yeah, but why, right? And so I'm thinking... The only reason is because of a, of a dirty word that none of us like, and that is consequences. Mm. We don't like the word consequences. Like the Western world just doesn't like consequences because they, they don't like talking about consequences. My employees don't like consequences because I say, hey, they, they just don't like the word because it has a negative connotation. Because to an employee, it's like, well, if I, if I don't get this done, what happens? 
do I get fired? Well, yes, kind of, you know, like we're going to have a conversation about it, but, but why should it ever get there? Why? Because there is a, there is an interesting relationship between consequences and responsibility, right? Like I need to feel, even, even though I, I'm generally a very deeply responsible person. If I give somebody my word, I do it. If I give myself my word, I do it. But I have been the guy that has put gym at 5 a.m. on my calendar and not gone. But why? And so the consequences is super, super important because there's two types of consequences. One is uh, stuff that I know that will break if I don't do it. So I'm, so I have literally, I have consequences to myself that I can viscerally see happen. So if I don't show up for this meeting, my employees are going to quit and that's going to crush my business and I'm going to lose money. So I see the consequence of me showing up for the conference call. The other consequences is the gym at 5 a.m. I don't see the impact right away, right? I just don't see it. Therefore, I can keep kicking the can down the road. Now, if somebody can find a way to bridge those two, you win so big. So here's how you, here's how you win. If there's something that we want to do, if, the great, if there's something that we want to do, we've got to build in deep consequences around it. And the only way for high achievers like you and I and the, and the listener is to do this. You have to get not, not, not basic accountability, not paid accountability. Like I have people, that, I have coaches that will tell me, hey, Sharon, pay me so that you feel guilty that I'm going to call you to see if you made your calls and made your numbers. I'm like, I, that doesn't bother me at all. Like mm-hmm. I have no, I don't feel bad letting you down because I already paid you. So I don't care. That's, that's why even people with coaches, I have clients that pay me that mm-hmm. skip calls. That's weird. And they don't get a remix. Like that, like that is terrible, right? Yeah. There's a reason for that is we've got to find somebody that we're accountable to, that we are really, really, really feel bad about letting down. That's all it is. If you can if you feel like you're gonna let me down and that just gonna break your heart, that's it. And to me, I am trying to do whatever it takes right now to do that. So I'll give you a very f- simple example. I don't want to let my kids down, right? But how is that ever going to happen? Well, my wife and I agreed to go on 50 date nights in 2020, right? It's, and if you think about it, it's not a lot. It's one night, one date night a week. But we were kind of not regular with it in, in the last year. And I was like, well, how can I make – I don't want to put accountability on her, because that's like that's gonna crush my marriage. I'm not gonna do that. But what if I made it? What if I made my kids responsible for it? So in the in my garage, when you mm. get out of my in my garage, me and my son wrote on the whiteboard that's in my garage. We wrote down one through fifty, the numbers and just blank spots. And I told him, I said, Hey Neil, every time I pull a pull in the garage, he and I both see that. And last weekend, look, you know what he told me? He's like, Dad, it's been like three weeks and it still says zero dates. Mm. You should go on a date this weekend because otherwise you're never going to hit your 50. And I'm, he's taking responsibility for me letting him down right now. And he says it in front of my wife, I get on my, I get on a text, I text a babysitter, I get it done and we get one on. And yesterday I, I pull in the garage and he's like, dad, you've got one date night and it's already February. Mm. Now, sure. Do I care about what my son thinks? Kind of. But now there's, I don't want to let him down because he feels like because of him, we're not going on date nights. And now he feels responsible. 
right? So that's completely changed the dynamic compared to last year. Like now at least we're looking at this stuff. While it seems really basic and simple, the 5 a.m. gym on your calendar really like you can apply that to anything in your life and you can see, well, where is this breaking down? And if you can introduce some personal accountability or with somebody that you don't want to let down, your life completely changes. And the funny part, though, Lucas, is you can't that's you can't do 300 things, right? You can yeah. only you can only do a few, which means you only have a few support systems around you, and that's all you need because to do great things, you got to do fewer things. And so I'm in a big mode of even you and I when we're trying to get together. It's been it's been like four months for us to get you know four or five months to get on get on. Uh, get on the horn to talk and my team was like dude you have no time right and 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 he's like you and lucas need to talk in 2020 and i was like 2020 that's like five months from now right and so but that was that's the focus and so i always tell people if i can get you to clarity if i can get you you know to understanding what drives you what motivates you a lot of transformations are easy to happen it's so powerful i appreciate every minute of it and it sounds like you're you're basically going down to daily accountability and in a, in a sense of knowing your why, um, which which I started taking a lot more seriously of like every morning. I'm just like, why am I doing this again? Sometimes it changes, but it's like, I guess those days you don't feel like it when you're tuned into that. It's just like, well, <laughs> I, I, I need to. And I guess that's why I saw a lot of people, they have kids and all of a sudden they're like, they're accomplishing more than they ever have because now they've got this living thing. So I, I guess it's, it's it, the root of it is coming down to that is, is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. So, so um, and y- 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 you're really kind of... Um, you know, you have heightened awareness on this stuff, but for, I will tell you, one out of 10 people know their why, right? Right. Um, and let's do a little hack for people to get there, right? Because I think this is I'd a really, powerful, love re- really powerful thing. So, um, uh, and I love stories, right? So I asked one of my clients and I said, um, well, what's your why? And, and I like doing that just because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a jerk sometimes. And, 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 you know, she says, well, my kids are my why. I was like, sure. Uh-huh, I get it. But like, but but what do you mean? Right? I just keep asking the what do you mean? Well, you know, I love um I want more time with my children. I'm like, do you? I said, you can't even you can't wait to get out of the house in the morning and the evening. You have three hours with them on a given day. Like, are your kids well, I, I want uh, I, I would like the option of spending more time with them. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that, um, you know, if they have a recital, if they have a game, I don't want to feel like I'm pressured to go to work to do that. I'm like, ah, okay, this is good. You want the option and the flexibility of being with the children. Good. Awesome. Well, what would it take to do that? Well, it would take a steady income stream to do that. Well, what does that mean? Well, I want to have enough income predictability that I don't have to worry about missing X or missing Y to jeopardize my time with my kids. Ah, okay, good. Now I ask the next question, well, what does that take? Well, if I made X amount of dollars a year, that would make me feel in a stable place, even if I lost a couple of clients or gained a couple of clients, because then I could, without doubt, say I can go wherever I want with my kids. I'm like, okay, so your why has nothing to do with your children. Your why is the options Mm. built around doing whatever you want and the what is hitting mm. that base. So mm. now now they know to get to the why, they have a what. And as soon as you have the what, you instantly, you're like, I know the what now. Now you can build a plan around the what. It's very hard to build a plan around the why. 
So beautiful. Sounds like that that seven layers deep exercise. I don't know where I heard that. I think it was Dean Graziosi yeah. or one of his mentors yeah. was like, yeah. keep going keep into the one. actual core thing yeah. and you'll find it. That's It's so powerful. Um, uh, I'm always like, I just want to get to the what, because the, I'll tell you the number one thing that plagues high achievers is big goal, no plan. Mm. Right. Everyone has this like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to make a dent in the universe. I want to end poverty. I want to mm-hmm. like my favorite thing when people say is like, I, I want 10,000 millionaires. I was like, what? Right. what? That makes, okay. Let's unpack that. Like that, there's a why that's good. But the what is not the 10,000 millionaires. The what is the significance that you want to be the person that helped. The, if that's the what, right. like I can help you get to the what, right? Because when you get to the what, you actually hit your why. But people don't know how to define the what. So they just keep stretching on the bigger why, the bigger why, the bigger why. And at some point, the big why seems so, so big and so unreachable that every single year, it feels like they're a year older and the goal is 10 years farther. Right. But you can do so much more because for me, it's all about like, say, hey, what's the why? And like, can I get to a what? Can I get to a what? Can I get to a what? Can I get to a war? Then they can actually work with the coach, mentor, friend, mastermind group and say, hey, this is my what. I need to make $300,000 a year because when I do that, several right. things fall into place. Now I have a plan to get to my what. So I'm always a – to me, again, it goes back to the clarity thing, right? Like how can I help somebody get deconstruct the what from their why? And then it makes the why a lot more real. And that's a really good gift you can give them. So powerful. Sounds like they got big visions but no mission, no vehicle to carry it out. So it's just getting both of those and putting them together. I got, I got this one last thing that I really want to touch on. And this is a personal share. I'm really bad with this. And when I was reviewing May, so I reviewed your podcast right before getting on this. And I, I thought about everything that I've accomplished since then, which I rarely do. And I actually was going to mention it in the start is like if you've been listening to the show since May – just take a moment and, and realize how far you've come because I guarantee you've made leaps and bounds and sometimes we're not aware yeah. of it. I I get a win, Sharan, and after a minute, yeah. I'm just like, okay, whoosh, yeah. what's next? I, I totally forget yeah. about it. And you have this thing and one of your articles was like gratitude was, was a really big key pillar for you. Yeah. And this is something I've been struggling with a lot. Maybe because I'm like 31 and, and still extremely ambitious and I'm just like, whatever. Maybe, you know, eventually get to this point. I'd like to get there quicker, but but why is gratitude such a... You're always smiling, dude. Like you're always smiling. I'm yeah. sure some days you're really stressed out, and, and maybe you, you're you're not. But I, I I have a feeling that most of your life is spent in this grateful state. Yeah, we could say, well, dude, Sharan's got money, and he doesn't have this and that. I'm sh- it's just bigger problems. But but why why gratitude, and, and why is that on the list of of things? Yeah. So so um, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you right. So let me be super vulnerable. Like it's a um. I would be lying if I told you that, you know, life was a bed of rose petals right now. Like, I mean, everybody has the 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 stuff that they're struggling with, and I'm struggling with stuff right now that I've never struggled with in my life before, and that I actually don't know how to solve, which is really scary, by the way, right? And 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 what I mean by that, it's not like it's nothing. I actually cannot solve the problems that I have on my plate right now, which are, which which could be which could be devastating to my life, my career, my family, and 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 so for if someone is thinking that he's got it easy, I'll tell you it's, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm probably it's probably harder now than it has ever been, mm. right? And sometimes I wish, hey, I, I you know dumpster diving sometimes is easier, right? Like if, so so from a relative perspective, the pain, yeah. It's it's tough right now. I, I 
hopefully we can handle it better because we probably have more experience. So um, I, I, think I hear it, that a lot from, from people is like they're, if they, they miss the early days of like the, the fun, the growth, the opportunities, the like there was less to lose, I guess, is, is an element of that. Sure. So I totally, I totally. Yeah. And so, so the, sure. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you from a, um, I actually think about it a little bit more than a gratitude. I tell my team this. Um, I think gratitude is it's so fun. It's so interesting because people are like, hey, you got to step into your gratitude. You got to write your gratitudes every day. You got to crush your gratitudes. And like, that's interesting to me. I, 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 I don't think I'm that evolved to understand it. Like, I don't get it. Right. And so, but I know it's important, but like, I, I can't close my eyes and feel a state of gratitude. Like, that's, I don't know how to do that. And if someone knows how to do that, like, awesome, you know, DM me on Instagram and teach me, but I don't know how to do that. Right. So it's really hard. What I do know is, the same thing that I tell my team over and over, which is you get what you celebrate, right? That is my motto is you get what you celebrate. You get what you, you'll hear me tell my team, you get what you celebrate, you get what you celebrate, you get what you celebrate. Everything that we do is, is centered around celebration in our lives. Now, if that sparks the gratitude gene, if that sparks the encouragement gene, if that sparks the fulfillment, gene, I don't know, but I'll tell you this, we don't celebrate enough and it doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be short. But if you don't have the celebration loop built into your 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 kind of cycles of work, right? If the if the last part, it's like, hey, I have an idea. I worked really hard. I had up and down volatility. Built this up. Built this up. This broke. This. But I I I built something. I won. I got success. Cool. Next project. Well, you haven't closed it with the celebration loop. Mm. Without the celebration loop, all that you have done. Is 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 not is not fulfilled is not respected is the bow is not put on it yet and there so there is a it's an open loop in your accomplishment. That's why. Why do you think they do Hall of Fames? You know Wayne Gretzky plays. Everybody did what they did. There's a Hall of Fame. You close the loop. You hang up his jersey. What like you've you've honored that time, right? You put that time as a as a. Uh, you know, uh, in your toolbox of learnings as a platform. Now you can step on that and use that to get to your next level. But what we all, what a lot of us have is just all of these open loops mm. of w- hard work, but no closed loops mm. of celebration. You need the celebration to close the loop of the work ethic. You need the celebration to close the loop of the struggle. You need the celebration. And the best part is nobody needs to hand you a, and me a trophy to celebrate. We just have to say, hey, look how far I've come. Look at what I've done. I'm going to do something to celebrate. I'm going to I'm going to sit down and binge watch Netflix for 3 hours. I'm going to go get a massage. If you do that the brain is like I am mm. doing this to celebrate. It just closes the celebration loop and it actually memorializes everything that you're learned. It sounds hokey, but there is no other literal way to actually respect and memorialize all the work. Right? And that's why that's super super important. Like why do you go on a why do my why should my wife and I go on a 10 year anniversary trip? Why? It's to celebrate. That's a celebration loop. That's what that is, right? And so I would say you get what you celebrate, and the more we can get in, I would say the faster you can you can create a cadence of celebration, the faster you're going to grow. Yeah. We yeah. just work. We just think more funnels are going to make the answer. Yeah. The more more celebrations are going to make the answer. The more we're so grateful, social media posts are going to make the answer. The more vacations you're going to take. The celebration is everything yeah. because that puts a natural end to what you've worked on and creates a natural beginning for something new. That is, that, that's very powerful. A year ago, I had a big 
I think Tony said the art of fulfillment. He's like, oh, you're you're accomplishing things, but you have no art. Like you, you don't feel fulfilled. And I remember feeling that I was like, whoa. And I started really trying to figure out this whole gratitude slash. It's something I'm still working on, but that fulfillment. And I and I love that just a simple simple idea in a more logical sense that actually makes sense. That's why I, I love talking to you because you have this way of like, hey, here's here's it very simply and not not too fluffy. I don't think he was fluffy. Uh, the celebration loop and that idea. Sure. So, so I guess ultimately here, it's fairly straightforward, basic, elementary, key, you know, habits and greatnesses in the granular and doing the small things and focusing on the small things and the daily accountability and the knowing your why and a singular focus and obviously good habits. We know all this, but I think what we're really getting at below all that is a sense of you know why you're doing it being held highly accountable to it and at its core root would you say that when you really understand like why you're playing this game and who's holding you accountable and the what like you said you have a much higher probability of winning because you can take on more pain you can do it when it gets tough you can see it through till the end and and would you agree that most people fail because they just they just quit they they lost they lost fuel they lost resourcefulness to see it through till the end yeah, totally. So, so if, you know, if you want to put a bow on all of this, I think there's a. Uh, you, you and I started talking about this, which was you are teaching two students or two clients of yours. Uh, one one of them get both of them get the same very similar tools, right, and resources and learning. Person one succeeds. Person two doesn't succeed. What's like? What's the difference? You know, so the difference is this. The difference is pe- person two who didn't succeed just needs a little bit more personal growth. Mm. That's the only answer. So the, the lack is the, – they're not lacking in the skill. You already gave them the skill. Like you already gave them the application. They just need an operating system reboot, right? Like they just need something else to work. They Essentially, they're running iOS on like a BlackBerry. Like they just don't have that, and that's the problem. And so I will tell you the fastest way for personal, what personal growth does for people is it gives them clarity. Like people always, when you read a self-help book or whatever, what you're looking for is not a hack, a strategy. You're just saying, how can I get more clarity? 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 How can, as soon as you get clarity, the world, you see the world in, 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 in just insane color, right? Like mother Teresa had clarity. She was like, my job is to help these people in Calcutta, India. Like that's it. That's all it is. Like this is not difficult, right? Yeah. And and personal growth is about clarity. And I would tell you, if you're not getting, if you have access to everything and you're not getting that little lift, uh, and you know th- what you're doing with the coach's corner is like the, the same, you know, the same stuff, right? They're like saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this 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 new launch 12 month clarity personal growth program because you don't need more skills. You just need to upgrade your operating system and yeah. then put the skills on top of it. And so. Clarity is clarity is everything. So whenever I'd say, if uh, when in doubt, you know, yearn long for more clarity than for more skills, because the more skills only give you more, leave you more tired and resentful. The clarity will give you more joy. So powerful, so powerful, so powerful. I could say so much about that just from personal uh, meltdowns of I know all this, but what is going on? Hence my big blowout with like putting yeah. books in boxes and just be like, I'm done <laughs> with more knowing. Knowledge is, you know, knowing and wisdom is doing. It's it's time to apply this. It's time to figure out how to use it. 
if, if, if people want to learn more about you, and I highly recommend you do, I don't think there's many people, again, it sounds like I'm like, eh, fluffing and whatever, and, and I don't care if you think that, it, it's, it is genuine. If people want to learn more about you, um, tap into what, what I really take as um, honest, truthful advice. Where, what's kind of your main platform? I've seen all your platforms just grow up. Like Instagram is booming. You're booming yeah. on, 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 you know, different podcasts on uh, what, what's the, um, you got one podcast that went viral there. I was watching it. Uh, that was a few months ago. Um, you're on stages. You're on the, you're, you're with Jason Capital. You're just, you're just doing stuff. And I really take it as, as genuine advice. So if people want to learn more about you and find you, where do they do that? Yeah. So I, uh, thank you. I will tell you the, the the easiest what what I did was I wrote a very small like it's a seven page article um, uh, for Forbes that uh, we have not published yet that I didn't give it to them I just kept it and it's called the seven microcultures um, and I it's it's uh it's my it's my gift to you it's free there's no like you know uh, there's nothing there's no paywall or anything it's seven the number seven microcultures dot com uh, you can tag it in the show notes again it's just go get it it essentially tells you hey here's the seven little, we used culture to drive profitability while growing a $3.4 billion business. And I actually take, how do you make culture profitable? And you can do that in your life. You can do that with your team. You can do that with your clients. It's like a seven page kind of bullet pointed report that, uh, that PDF that I wrote. So it's sevenmicrocultures.com. Go grab it. That'll give you access to everything else. But that's, that's kind of like my gift to you. If you like that, you'll like other things. If you don't like that, Hey, just toss it and, and, and listen to more of Lucas. So powerful. So powerful. I, um, what I what I love about these two, if anyone's listening, is like you know what you know, you kind of know what you don't know, and you have no idea what you have no idea about. And every yeah. time I tap into someone who can who can, I've just seen accomplish so much more than I even thought possible. Or the first time, which was only three years ago, I stepped into a mansion. I, I I've never been in a mansion. I've been in grew up in a trailer park. Uh, I was floored. I'm like, this kind of this actually exists, and someone sleeps in this bedroom, and someone <laughs> someone uses this jacuzzi, and I'm like, the view. I'm, I, I was just like blown. I was doing. Anyway, and I'm like, okay, this exists, and now this is real. Um, I, used to, I used to go to the Ferrari dealership and just sit in the Ferraris and just watch people buy them, being like, okay, people are doing this. And so I, I, I truly hope that this episode or anything of Sharan's, you can, you can look at his story. He's been on so many different podcasts and articles, and it's just such a source of inspiration and just understanding that I honestly feel if Sharan can do it, um, we all can do it in our own authentic, genuine way. Um, yeah. and, and whatever your path is, go, go, go crush it and go, go give it everything you have. Cause the outcome is in my opinion, so worth it when you see your creation come to life. So truly hope this episode served you. Um, we'll have all the, all the links for Shran in the show notes before I, I genuinely want to thank you. I know you're extremely busy, but this is such a, um, I just, I love talking to you. So this is really, this is, this is really inspiring for me too. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it, man. And people don't know how hard it is to, uh, Take the time, put the stuff together, do the prep, do the research, do the call, get the team to get it all set up, launch the podcast on all of that. It takes a lot of effort, and I want to make sure folks listening understand that a lot went into just bringing you this 45 minutes. So uh, it's probably 10x that time to get you this in your hands and in your ears. So uh, uh, give uh, give Lucas a lot of love because he doesn't have to do this, but he's still doing it. So there's a, there's a, that's awesome. So thank you for having me back. Thanks, Ryan. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return 
is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.